Silence, silence on the set, mm. people. Silence. <laughs> don't they do that on a set? They do. They do. Yeah. Silence. On silence. Set. We don't always do it here, though, because this is the Profit First Podcast. Episode 92. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> silence. <laughs> silence. <laughs> it's too much noise. Silence. Oh, my God. That's right. Grunting on beat. Hey, you can follow along at home. You can grunt along with us. Come on. Some people do. Welcome, everyone, to the Profit First Podcast. My name is Chris Curran. I'm the founder of Fractal Recording. And I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First and the brand new released book, Surge, available at Amazon.com right now. I'm joined in studio by Christina, who's jamming out Bulldog. Hi. And you are listening to the Profit First Podcast, where you discover all the angles of profitability. We said it last episode, revenue is vanity, profit is sanity, <laughs> and <laughs> there's many ways to get there. This episode will be no different. That's right. We have a gr- another great guest, and then we're all three of us give our uh, takeaways, what we learned from the guest afterwards. Uh, but this show is available everywhere you hear podcasts, in iTunes, and Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, and now Google Play, and of course, the website, ProfitFirstPodcast.com. And this show, again, we focus on profit because the number of employees, the amount of revenue you bring in, everything about your business is fine and dandy, but the bottom line is profit. So revenue is poetic and profit is prophetic. Oh, Pro- no! Prophetic. Not, not pathetic. Prophetic. Prophetic. Yeah. prophetic. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Wow. <laughs> poetic, prophetic. Is it or prophetic? Pro- Pro, I would say prophetic. Prophetic. Prof- it's not pathetic. I know right. that. Oh, oh or prophetic. That, the fact that we're discussing now ruins it. Now it's getting. Now it's pretty pathetic. Oh. So listen, Chris. I'm sitting here while we're going. Christina's doing stuff. You know, business yep. always going. I, I got my iPhone on. My wife texts down. Uh, she goes, uh, "I miss you." And oh. uh, I haven't. Yeah. Well, she was. At, I haven't seen her much at all. And um, I'm heading away for a month of travel starting next week. That's why we're doing all these recordings. Like yeah. we're doing back to back to back to back because I'm heading out of town for a, literally a full month of travel. Wow! And uh, so she's like, "We should do something together." I'm like, "Well, my my high school has an alumni lacrosse game. I got invited to watch or not a, a, a championship game that they're doing. They invited the alumni." So I'm like, "You want to go to a lacrosse game?" And as I click on send, I'm like, "That's the worst thing to send <laughs> to your wife." That's what she wants to hear. Yeah, when your wife says, "I miss you," and you say, "Hey, you want to go to a lacrosse game?" <laughs> Yeah. At least you realized it after you sent it. I know, I but I haven't, I haven't remedied it yet. I'm, like, oh. I'm, I'm an idiot. What? I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm an absolute pathetic idiot. She's upstairs pacing. Yeah, oh God. God. Chris, what have you been up to? Uh, you know, I've been reading this book by James Allen. It's called Above Life's Turmoil. And James Allen was alive in the late 1800s, and I think he passed away in 1912. He wrote about 16 or 17 books. The most famous one is As a Man Thinketh, right? Yes. Everyone knows that one. But... Uh, our Pause Your Life organization, we republished his book called Byways of Blessedness. And now this book, Above Life's Turmoil, just awesome. It's like part of the new thought movement sort of thing, but it's just so powerful. Like these guys who can just break it down into the simplest form and and make it usable for us in our lives. It's like, you know, and it's not all like airy fairy, like, oh, feel good and, and you know, whatever. I mean, that stuff has its place too, but at some point you got to go to the core of your being, and in a way, it's mm-hmm. analogous to profit first. You're going to the core of your business. Profit, hello. Yeah, yeah, right. Hello. There you go. There you go. This is kind of analogous. Um, you know, one thing that's cool by now, now I consider myself a health, a hybrid author. 
I used to be a self-published author. Then I went with Penguin for Pumpkin Plan. And I'm like, no, I'm going to be self-publishing. And now I'm going back with uh, Penguin. They're reproducing Profit First. Mm-hmm. So I consider myself a hybrid. I got some self-published, some you know mainstream traditional publisher. But I will tell you one of the great benefits of going with a traditional publisher. I went out to New York last week, mm-hmm. met with my editor and um, the team over there. And I leave, and I come back here with a bag full of books. You literally can get an unlimited free supply of books, and I love to read. Mm. So I now have about 30 books piled up. It's actually in the storage room over there. Piled up that I have to read. That's nice. That's a nice benefit. That's awesome. Isn't that nice? That's I feel cool. like I say that word a lot, but it is. <laughs> yeah, I use awesome. I, over, I abuse awesome. His name is, oh, oh, oh before I say his name, um, oh. I want to talk about our, our sponsors, our corporate partners. Oh, uh, so thank you to Fundera, T-Sheets, uh, Receipt Bank, Nextiva, and Fundbox. This is all done from memory, by the yeah. way. I want the world to know that. All those corporations have supported those the, us. And when I say corporations, they're small businesses, too. They're no mm-hmm. different than us. They just do different services. We'll give you more details on who they are and what they do and why you might why you may want to consider them for yourself or someone you know uh, at the end of the show. But thank you for, for to them for making the show possible. We really love our corporate partners. And Christina, do we have any feedback this episode? Oh, the shout outs. What shout outs you got there? I do. <laughs> Thank you for remembering. Uh, this shout out is from Michael. From myself, did I send it to us? <laughs> no, this is Michael. Oh, oh. Actually, it is a Mike M. Is it a Mike oh M? Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Give the first two letters in his last name, then when you get to it. Is it- Mick. Michael no. Mick. That's no. mine. No, MC. Like not oh, he's MC. Oh. I'm, I'm MIC. Yeah, okay. So anyway. he's, <laughs> um, he's talking about the Prop First book, and he says, I was leery to buy this book because it sounds like a get-rich-quick scheme, mm. but it's not. It is a get-paid-smart plan that understands human nature and looks to maximize your profit potential at first with small changes and gradually making bigger changes. I'm definitely implementing this and would recommend everyone else at least read this book once. Wow. Thanks, Thank you, Michael, Michael Mick. Thanks, Michael, Michael Mick. Mick. Which I sound like I'm thanking myself. McVeigh. <laughs> McVeigh. Okay. Oh, where he says his name there. Uh oh. That's his name. <laughs> Sorry. My, no, that's okay. <laughs> Michael McVeigh. Everyone. Sorry, there's Michael. There's probably a million Michael McVeighs out there. He's not going to get stalked. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, Zarek Bohosian. I'll tell you, Christine, you hear me call one guy every time on the phone. I'm like, hey, my brother's my brother from another mother. Yeah. This is the guy. <laughs> oh. This is This is the guy. That's awesome. I met Zarek. And maybe Zark will remember. I, I met him five, eight, ten, maybe eight or nine years ago. I, I think I met him at Pepperdine University. I don't even recall. I'm pretty sure it was. My book, The Toy Paper Entrepreneur, came out. I was invited to speak at an entrepreneurial group, and this professor walks in, Zark Bahosian. We hit it off. I fall in love with him. I mean, literally love him. Uh, we get to know each other. Uh, we go to uh, a lunch or dinner together, and he starts telling me a story, and it's mind-blowing. Zark Bahosian grew up in Iran. He's of Armenian lineage, so his family's from Armenia. They had to flee, uh, flee Ar- Ar- Armenia to go to Iran. He's born in Tehran, Iran. He then comes to the United States uh, as a teenager. I think he's like 18 or 19. Comes to the United States, has to learn English. He's going to North Texas now. Um, he has to learn the culture, and he has to make a living. He comes here with nothing. He gets spit. He starts working. He's working three jobs. He's um, going to school. He gets spit on at a restaurant because of his accent. Because he ain't a, a deep. What these redneck guys were that wanted to teach yeah. him a lesson. And <laughs> we love the rednecks too, by the way. 
you're right. If you're we a redneck, love all people. If you're a redneck, I don't, I don't mean to offend you. If you're a, an a-hole redneck, I do mean to offend you. Right. I mean, these guys were just a-holes, right? Totally. Um, and Zark, just whatever. He's like, this is the path I'm blazing. Fast forward. This guy developed the software. I'm not kidding. The software that manages the entire International Space Station's orbit. That thing that's up in, above our head right now that's orbiting around that people are landing on and taking off of for decades? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Zark is the guy who wrote the code to do it. Nice. Now, if he was like me, I'd be so pissed at those a-hole redneck guys, I would put some like nasty code in there that made their space shuttle <laughs> fall on them somehow. No. <laughs> or I don't know. I, I would feel vindictive. He turned it the other way. He's launched multiple companies. He's an investor in multiple companies. He's an adjunct professor at Pepperdine University, the most liked professor in the business school at the university, perhaps partly because he now teaches my books there, <laughs> and wrote the code for the space shuttle. I mean, if there's any guest that I've been so pumped to talk with, it's Zark himself. Zark, welcome to the show. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Wow, what an introduction. I appreciate it. Yeah, you, we basically killed the entire show. I killed the entire show introducing you, so we're basically done. Um, but, Zark, you were spit on. I mean, the anger, the the, wanting, the desire for revenge. What was that like? Yeah, so, um, well, I had two choices. Either I had to take revenge, which was not a good choice, and the other one, to move on and carry on with my life and uh, learn from a bunch of idiots that I had to come across with at the time. Uh, and perhaps I had no choice but to do that. I, I think, as you mentioned, I came to this country when I was 18 years old. Uh, I actually left the country a month before revolution. I actually had registered to be drafted to the army at the time. And uh, the Ira- This is the Iranian army, right? Yeah, the Iranian army. Uh, again, as a minority, Armenian minority being born, in the country and the regime change, I would certainly, 99% uh, for certainty, I would be dead by now because after revolution, uh, we went into a war with Iraqis and, you know, long story short, uh, the situation gotten worse. I decided to leave the country. I decided to come to this country to get education, to have a good life in the future and go back and help my family and start a family and my own business. I came here uh, on November 23rd, 1978, on a Thanksgiving day. So this is extremely important for me because I actually believe there was a reason for me to arrive to this country on a Thanksgiving day because I am actually thankful for the opportunity, even though I've gone through so many hardships in my life. Um, But the lessons I've learned, the... uh, the people I dealt with, as a matter of fact, uh, people ask me, how did you become an entrepreneur? I actually believe my entrepreneurship uh, skills were developed uh, in 1978 at the International House of Pancakes, working a graveyard shift from 11 p.m. until 7 a.m., working with a bunch of idiots uh, who were drunk, uh, who didn't like my accent, <laughs> who made fun of me, who wanted to start a fight. But I kept my calm. I kept... Uh, my sanity, I, uh, that actually became motivation for me not to become somebody like they were at the time. So um, I think dealing with multiple characters, dealing with uh, tough situations, dealing with people making fun of you and keeping your calm. Uh, by the way, that was one of four other jobs I was doing, and I was going to school full time. 
and the other jobs, by the way, not any better. I was washing toilets. I was uh, washing dishes. Of course, over time, I got promoted into becoming a waiter. And by the way, I was making a lot of uh, tips uh, because I was giving people free food because I didn't really care, you know. So, um, so I, I think uh, the determination to make something out of my life and uh, working hard through it, it became a normalcy for me. So, so to me, working four jobs, five jobs, going through school, not having money, uh, helping your family back home uh, and being humble about it. That was at the beginning of my career uh, coming to the States. So, uh, and, and, and uh, as I speak to many students right now and to some speaking events, you know, uh, hardship is at the core of entrepreneurship. And if you know how to manage yourself, if you uh, always stay positive, if you uh, work through the hardships and collaborate and, and bring the right people around you, who believe in you and you can work well together, then that's, that's at the core of entrepreneurship that I've been uh, going through in my, in my life for the, for the past 20, 38 years. Is there a particular mindset or strategy? I mean, you face constant adversity. These customers at IHOP at four in the morning are coming in drunk and mocking you and you know just keep pushing you down. My sense is I just want to run away. I would want to quit my job in a heartbeat. I, I, they want to fight you? I mean, how do you, how do you stay above that? How do you keep motivating yourself when this is a, a regular routine? Yeah, so, uh, you, you know, to be honest with you, at the time, um, uh, I, I don't know how I survived through this, to be honest with you. So I'll be lying if I said, you know, I knew what I was doing at the time. Mm. What I knew was... I have no choice but to prosper in life. I had no choice but to deal with a bunch of idiots uh, that may come through my way. I had no choice but to work five jobs, get my education. And by the way, I think a major part of it is having uh, a real nice imagination as to what do you see in your future. I always introduce myself uh, as uh, I'm, an, I'm an ordinary man with extraordinary imagination. I think what kept me going uh, just seeing the future, seeing the prosperity, seeing what I love to become part of. So my my fascination with space didn't happen when I was 18. As a matter of fact, my fascination in the, for space, it happened when I was at the age of 10. I watched the moon landing on July 20th, 1969. And I became, I fell in love with space. I said, oh my goodness, there's something out there and I wish I could go there, you know, as a child. And then the circumstances and my hard work and my cho choices in life, uh, as far as my education, I, uh, I got a degree in computer science, which really over time and, and my focus in life took me uh, to the International Space Station program. So, uh, and then I had an opportunity not to go to space, but I worked on something that it was unique and only one system in the entire world that would uh, orbit around the, the Earth uh, for the last 10, 15 years now. So I think keeping that imagination from a, a very young age, staying focused and dealing with hardships and uh, staying positive and, and, uh, and, and, and determined as to the life will get better because it cannot get any worse uh, and stay true to yourself because 
if you take the right steps, which I did, so I worked hard, five jobs, simple jobs, difficult jobs. I got my education. I uh, became really good at what I was uh, trying to become, a great programmer, a great designer. I got engaged with the International Space Station program. As you said, I was in charge of uh, developing and, and deploying the mission-critical flight software for the electric power system of the entire station. And then my love for uh, space never died. And, and what I'm trying to say by that is I still feel that I love space. I still feel there may be a day that I'll go to the space station that I built. Nice. And, and, and That's cool. Ha- having that in mind, years later, after uh, so, so 40 years later, uh, or 45 years later, like last year, I meet Buzz Aldrin, the second guy who stepped on the surface of the moon. Cool. So what I'm saying is the imagination is key. And taking the right steps and getting involved on the right projects, bringing the right humble people just like yourself to the table, it gets you to the places that you really, really, really want to get to. I think it's, it's just keep at it, stay focused, work hard at it, and always dream. I think that this my imagination at the age of 10 to, uh, to this date actually still helping me. And, and, and uh, that's how I achieve my life and, and the things I've done in my life. Did those perceived weaknesses you're at ihop and these guys are picking on you because your accent did that ever become an advantage did uh do you think you got a leg up when when you were being considered for the international space station the software development and they're like wow this guy because of his accent must be extremely intelligent i mean did it ever play into your favor yeah i i think i think they did uh again uh which I, he I is think... extremely intelligent by the way i just want that yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well uh, let, let me give you another story so uh I, I started on space station uh as a senior designer and a chief architect for the software and then the person who hired me the manager who hired me uh and uh, of course for my qualifications as a technical guy and he he had to leave the company after a year. So he approached me and says, Zarek, I know you love this program. I know uh, you would uh, want to do this no matter what. I, I'll tell you, Mike, I didn't even negotiate my salary. I mean, I was dreaming about this thing. You know, here I am. I'm working <laughs> I'll on take space. it. I'll take it. Yeah. And, and then this guy tells me, he says, Zarek, I know how much you love this. But if I leave, uh, you don't know who else you're going to get as your manager so I have a recommendation for you. Why don't you apply for the management position? And this was a year and year and a half into my, my position. I was a technical guy. And I told him, I said, listen, I've never been a manager in my life. I really don't want to do that. I want to do this. And he goes, but I'm telling you, this is a tough project. It's going to be like this for years. And if you get a guy that you don't like to work with, you may actually end up quitting your job. Then I said, you know what? I'm going to try and I'm going to apply for this job. Mike, I had eight other managers applying for the job from NASA, from Mm -hmm. Rockwell International. And uh, we sit on this executive type rooms and people drilled me for my qualifications. And they knew exactly what I have done, uh, where I came from, uh, how I worked as a young guy. I got the job over eight other candidates uh, who were much higher qualified than I uh, from a uh, career perspective. They trusted me that I can do a good job just because I'm so passionate about this and I, I am in love with this program. And I became a manager out of eight other candidates who had much better qualifications than I did. 
And that, that proved to me if you really love something, if you show your passion, if you're honest with yourself, by the way, there are a lot of questions that I answered as, I really don't know, but you can be sure I'm going to get this thing done because I love this thing. You know, I'm dreaming of this thing. I was dreaming about space when I was 10 years old. They chose me over eight others, much more qualified people. And here we are uh, many years later. So. Well, look at your qualifications. You worked four jobs and went to school full time. I remember you telling me this story once. I think you, when you slept, you slept in the car if you didn't even sleep. I mean, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, th- these are, this is 1978. Uh, and as a computer science uh, graduate and, and a student, we didn't have iMacs, iBooks, iDis, and iPads. You know, we, we had this uh, uh, key, uh, the cards, uh, the, the key punch machines that I was programming. So the routine was I was, uh, the, you know, writing my code and then. I had to submit my code uh, with a bunch of uh, cards that I, I was using uh, like a typewriter machine. And I would submit that to the uh, computer lab. And I would go and work in a gas station. Three hours later, I would come and take my uh, the computer uh, results, the output. I would review my code and see if it's working or not. If there was a bug, I had to submit again. Then I would go and work as a dishwasher. Then I would come back, go to my class. Then I would go and uh, submit to the lab again. Then I would go to IHOP in the morning uh, from uh, 11 to 7 a.m. And I would come home like 7 a.m. and sleep for a couple of hours. Not home, of course, small apartment. And uh, then go back to school. I had like 18, 20-hour days uh, just uh, through the school and the work. And and uh, but But you see, that's exactly the point I'm making. I think... To me, that became a normal life rather than I'm working so hard and why isn't it that others mm. are not working? You see that to me, and, and, and part of it comes from our past, by the way. Armenians have always gone through hardships and all that. So I've seen my father work like that. I've seen my mother work like that. And, and as to me, you know, basically it became normal. Oh, of course I should do all this if I want to be successful, if I want to become somebody. You know, there's so, one thing, one thing, uh, Christina, that I've noticed with Zarek, and, and you see this around here, there's communities that form. You'll have a, maybe an Asian community right. or an Indian community. Well, Zarek's very steeped in the Armenian community. And Zarek, I, <laughs> I came to your house, beautiful house, by the way, in California, beautiful hills in Glendale, California, and um, wonderful family. I come in there, and it was basically, we could have said a joke, because you sat me down for dinner at your house. Uh, you put me at the head of the table, uh, and it was your friends there. It was, it was basically 10 Armenians and one Polak. <laughs> and it, it was like the start of a joke. It's like, what do you, happens when 10 Armenians and a Polak enter a room? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what happens. You have the best meal ever, and you meet the warmest, most ingratiating community I've ever met. Zark, do you feel that... By finding your community, your home community back here in your new home in the United States, and I'll tell you, Zark bleeds red, white, and blue, That finding your community, has that been advantageous or has that been detrimental? What are the benefits, the pros and cons to finding your community? Yeah, uh, you know, Armenians uh, by nature are very family-oriented. Be careful. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I, I, you know, I, I, I think uh, generally we're kind people and nice people. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, we are very close community uh, by nature. Again, it's because of our past, because of our history. We've gone through a lot of hardship. Uh, we've been always spread all over the world uh, as a small nation. Uh, so when Armenians find one another, it becomes a, a natural um, duty as to 
oh, well, my God, of course there's another Armenian, so let me invite him to my house. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, we go. Uh, the, the, the one thing Armenians do, uh, this is like uh, a, a, a habit. A- anytime they move to a new place, new country, they build a church. And then that becomes the meeting place because um, if an Armenian comes to Glendale, the first place they go to is the Armenian church in Glendale because then they can find friends or they can meet new friends and so on and so forth. So I think that sense of community actually was advantageous to me because that also established the sense of community that I'm developing in my organizations, in my startups. You know, I'm, I'm treating people uh, the way I would like to be treated. I'm treating them as a friend, as a family member, rather than you're an employee of mine, you see? So I think all of those uh, things that came to us through our culture it's helped me to develop uh, what I say, my leadership. I call myself leadership as a service, whereby I treat people as a human being. And I I receive uh, in response, respect, loyalty, and results as a a literally, I don't have to do much, but to respect people as human beings to really achieve greater things in life. And that's uh, been proven to me through International Space Station, through all the other ventures I've been part of, and all the startups I'm working through. And by the way, I teach the same thing at Pepperdine. I actually start my class by stressing the fact at the end of the day, nothing matters unless you're a great human being because that's what matters at the end. So I think that community really helped me uh, develop, not developed actually to just pursue and, and enforce it because uh, those things were developing in, in, uh, when we were born, basically. So I remember you and I were talking a couple of years back, uh, maybe it was two years ago, and you told me, uh, not bragging, I was just asking how's things going at Pepperdine and stuff, and you're like, oh, I'm so flattered. You were recognized by the students as the most popular professor on campus, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The most popular professor at Pepperdine. Um, I want to know the insight here. You're seeing the next generation of entrepreneurs. You run the entrepreneurial classes there. Are you optimistic for our future? Are you pessimistic? What do you see coming down the pike when it comes to entrepreneurship? Yeah, I, I, I am, of course, uh, an optimistic person by nature. If I weren't, I wouldn't be here today and talking to you, you know, talking about you know, being humble, uh, you know, uh, so, sometimes I, I pinch myself uh, and I, I don't, uh, I really don't, I really mean that. When I uh, consider myself as your friend or when you, you're talking to me or having me on your show right now, you know, I'm saying I came from nothing, uh, being recognized as a nobody. And then now a few years later, here I am talking to uh, the public as well as uh, mm-hmm. my friends uh, who are recognized people of their own. So um, I, the reason uh, I am popular at Pepperdine is not because I'm a better professor, uh, because I am a better mentor and actually I'm a practical mentor. I consider myself as a mentor to these young adults uh, who want to be the Zuckerbergs of the world for the future. Uh, And I teach them uh, practice. I teach them uh, what the real issues are. I actually take my startup ideas and issues that I deal with to the class and I let them know this is what you're going to walk into. So be prepared. And it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. It's going to be rewarding. But you must have passion. You must really, really, really work hard. 
And you must believe in something uh, that is going to change the world. So uh, by doing that, and by the way, I establish trust. I establish trust day one, just like I do in my companies. I tell them, listen, guys, I have, I have three advanced degrees. I have gone to school for many years. I've achieved a lot in the education in my career. And I've heard all sorts of excuses and stories from students and adults and everything. I said, if you don't want to come to my class because you have a headache or you have to go to Lady Gaga concert at Staples or there's a Laker game, you want to go there because uh, it's the last Kobe's game instead of Zarek's class, just tell me so. Just don't lie uh, or don't make up stories like I had a flat tire, this and that, because that's life. It's not the end of the world if you miss my class. But it's actually could be a bad habit if you end up lying to yourself and to mm. the people that you're working with. So the reason I'm doing what I do is I teach them in real life things happen. I said, by the way, if you had a concert ticket, extra ticket for Lady Gaga, I probably would have gone with you and missed the class too. You are a big Lady <laughs> Gaga fan. We all know that. Oh my. Well, no, I mean, that, that was just an example because I had a student telling me, says, Zarek, I don't know if you meant it, but I want to go to a concert. Is that okay? And I, I kind of pulled her, pulled her leg. I said, are you kidding me? You're going to miss my class because of Lady Gaga? And she goes, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I said, no, I'm just kidding. Go and have fun. No, and you're like, and I've got two front row tickets. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you knew this, uh, Zarek. She's no longer wearing the meat suit that she was famous for. She now wears a Nazook suit. <laughs> <laughs> that's an Armenian uh, treat, I, by the way. Oh, my God. That's our, as us Armenians and poser Armenians like to joke that's about right. Oh, poser Armenians. <laughs> Zarek, oh, we my. have to run. Um, yeah. But I want everyone to know before we uh, let you go, where they can find out more information about you. So where can they go to learn about the... Listen, I mean, you got Augment Texture, a company you started uh, that does uh, uh, augmented reality for the architectural industry. You've Driver Square, which is like an Uber for food delivery and other item delivery that you need in the moment. You've Ride Mates, you've started. Uh, oh, and by the way, on the side, you make international space, space stations fly around. <laughs> uh, and you also own Zima Enterprises. Can you tell us where can people go to just connect with you and maybe engage you for your services? Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, founded my company, Zima Enterprises. Uh, it's a software development company. We develop web applications and uh, mobile applications, forward-looking applications. I get engaged personally myself. I take uh, responsibility. Uh, I, I am very selective about the projects we work on. So there and also LinkedIn is a good source for people to come in and look for me, Zarek Bogosian. I'm very receptive to helping people. I actually believe helping others make me feel good and I sleep well at night. So uh, they can reach out to me through Zima, LinkedIn, and uh, and through you, uh, perhaps. So Yeah, yeah. No, we'll have it on the show notes. And mm -hmm. uh, for everyone listening, he's also keynoting at UCLA, University of California, Los Angeles. <laughs> Ask Zark to be keynoting out there, which is nice. happening only a week from the day we're doing this recording. Zark, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity, and I love you guys. I love you, you brother. Sir. Thank you. Love you, brother. All right. Have a good day. You too. So, um, yeah, I wanted to do some Armenian jokes. I wanted to actually try to, but we didn't have time, to pull up His some. story is too interesting. It's fascinating, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah, for, for me to go down my rabbit holes that I do. Oh. 
Oh, uh, I think it was awesome. I want to learn what we learned uh, in a moment, <laughs> but first I want to thank our corporate partners. Mm-hmm. So Fundbox, we love you. Uh, you know, Fundbox is invoice financing. You need to collect your invoices a little bit faster. Check out Fundbox. T-Sheets is time tracking software. Uh, Receipt Bank, you can finally, finally scan those receipts you're keeping in your wallet or shoebox, whatever. Scan it, it goes into your accounting system. It's permanently and properly archived for your ability to pull it right back up. Uh, uh, who else am I missing? Fund- Did I say Fundera yet? I don't think you so. You said fund- Fundbox. No. Yeah. Fundera <laughs> is one loan, uh, one-stop shopping for loans. So if you need a loan for your business, um, you go reach out to Fundera. They shop it out for you and come back with your loan. And then Nextiva. Nextiva. And Nextiva is a voice over IP phone system. I actually tried to connect Zark. This is a few years ago with Nextiva. They were looking for a high-end programmer. And uh, Zark was very gracious and uh, was not interested at the time uh, but uh, I'm, t- I'm going to call next Steve and say dudes double double the numbers yeah. you got to get <laughs> the guy makes space station fly for God's sake yes uh, have him do your software so but next Eva is an amazing voice over IP phone system I love them Hi, right, Chris. You're up yes. first, bro. What'd you learn today, man? Yes. By the way really thank you to our corporate partners we love all the five companies they're really love nice them. to us love them um it, but it'd be nicer if they, you know, maybe sent me some nice chocolate in the mail or something. Yeah, anyway. I haven't got any chocolates either. It's true. Really? <laughs> yeah. A love note. Yeah. Does, does Ron get anything like that, Mike? Uh, Ron, we got a big thing of popcorn, but it wasn't okay. from a corporate partner. Now, sometimes they, you know, sometimes they try to grease the wheels with Ron. Mm. But a lot of people, you got to know that Ron is into gardening. See, Aaron, Aaron's head now, so she's greater. <laughs> so Ron's into gardening. If you want to grease his wheels, send him like seeds. Uh, of some sort for nice. some exotic fruit or vegetable that can grow in the Northeast. Mm. Right. There you go. Yeah. That's how he greases wheels. So what I learned from uh, Dr. Zarek is he said, well, and I'm probably going to steal it from both your notes. Hardship is at the core <laughs> nah. of entrepreneurship. Right. But that's yeah. not my point. Um, that's true. But here's the thing. When people were making fun of him for his accent, you know, drunk people being stupid, and you asked him, how'd you get through that? How do you keep positive and everything? Well, here's one thing you can, one thing he did. He looked at those people and said, man, those people are idiots. I really don't want to be like them. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to be them. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So That's it's juicy. not, sometimes it's not, oh, I have to be strong enough to rise above everybody. You can actually look at people and say, you know what? I don't want to be like you people. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's the bully. And bullies, they happen everywhere. They happen oh, yeah. in, in high school, grade school. They happen in business. In the workplace. In the sometimes. workplace. And I think there's a lot of relief saying, thank God I'm not that person and I don't want to be like them, so I'm not going to emulate them. Mm-hmm. There's something there. Thanks, yeah. Chris. By the way, you I'm not yeah. saying it's easy to, to rise above it either. Oh, I'm no. just saying that that's, I, I really like his approach. Well, clearly he's tough. He worked at IHOP. Who can do that? <laughs> you got to be hardcore. Christine, yeah. You oh, yeah. Um, I like when he was talking about his relationship with his students and he was saying, listen, don't just don't lie because when you lie to others and I know that can kind of be popular in the workplace and you know, if you want to call out sick, you can't just say I'm sick, yeah. but like, oh, my dog died or, you know, yeah. like you feel like you have to justify it with some big reason. Yes. But if you're just honest with what's going on, I think people appreciate you more. And re- like you, res- it's a respect thing. I think yep. if you sh- if you're honest with them, they're like, wow, this person respects me enough to tell me the truth and to not have to lie about what's going on. I think that's kind of a, a big deal. Yeah, it's a real big deal. We so I had an employee. My first company, Olmec Systems, uh, still run. That company still exists today. I, mm-hmm. I sold that business, but we had uh, a technical department. And one guy calls in and he says, um, "My grandmother passed away. I cannot come to work tomorrow. The day after." And uh, I'm gonna say his name. We're like, "Oh, 
we uh, totally understand. We uh, send flowers to the family, and uh, then we get a phone call from one of our clients the next day and say, hey, I heard XYZ person down in the Bahamas. We say, how did you know that? They said, well, we'll just make a radio station. KRP of Cincinnati just made an announcement to their winner that won and got free uh, free flight and vacation for two days down in the Bahamas. Oh. Now, here's the crazy wow. thing. If he simply said... I just won two tickets to the Bahamas for free. I, I got to go tomorrow. Is that cool? I've been like, yes. Right. And we've been celebrating. I have no idea why he had to lie about the passing of his grandmother. We get a note back from his family saying, we have no di- idea why you sent these memorial flowers. And uh, we are saying, we're so sorry about that misunderstanding. We, we sent flowers to his family and they're like, why'd you do this? Right. His family found out who's lying. When he came back, we said to him, we said, uh, we know where you were, and uh, you, you, you lied to us. We have to terminate you. And such a shame. And uh, his family, uh, ultimately we heard through the grapevine, was like, why would you ever do that? And we got flowers. It set this bizarre chain for him. I, there's no need to lie. No. Right. There's no need to lie. I mean, sometimes you got to tell a white lie like, because uh, it's you don't want to embarrass someone. Like, if I, right. if I had a booger hound at my nose, you don't say, hey, Mike, you look... I've been disgusting. You'll say, "Hey, uh, Mike, why don't you go to the bathroom?" You know, but to be truthful is empowering. And uh, I think it was Gandhi who said, "The reason I always tell the truth is I'll never have to remember all my lies." Yeah, you know. Mm. So that was a good one. And That's thank God awesome. I could ramble on for about two hours with my own personal story about <laughs> your your tip. Here's my tip. Um, I took from Zarek. When you find one another, he was talking about the Armenian community. When you find one another, there is a natural duty. You know, we all have our community. David uh, Lauderstein, who joined us last week, talked about the gay community. He found his community. There's a natural duty to support each other. There's the opera community. Mm-hmm. There's a natural duty to support each other. Yeah, there's friendly competition. But right. That's, that's everywhere. But there's a natural duty, and, and we feel compelled to support each other. This exists everywhere. Who's the community you want to be in? Because there's natural support just because you're speaking to that community. You speak the same language, so to speak. That's there you I go. Awesome stuff. Well, this has been great. I mean, I learned a lot. I actually had another question for Dr. Zarek about oh, his, pull him back on. Is he still on? his extraordinary us? imagination. I think he's still here. You oh, still here, Dr. Zarek? I'm, I'm on the mute. Oh, <laughs> you're on the mute, baby. You're on the mute. You, you talked about your extraordinary imagination, and I am also like that. But a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs. They have businesses. They really have to think in the real world, make wise, you know, make decisions that lead to profit so, so they can sustain their business. In, in your journey over the past 30, 40 years, how did you distinguish between, oh, I have this wild imagination, this great idea. How did you you know make decisions in the real world? Did you ever have to face a decision where you had this great idea, but you had to just keep, you know, keep your feet on the ground and keep working at a dumb job for a while just so you could survive kind of thing? Yeah, that, that's always a tough, tough balance. I think uh, so. Naturally, initially, when I came to this country, my uh, my entire focus was to survive and then thrive. Right. So that's why I did all those jobs. I got my education. I got my experience as a, a designer and a programmer. Um, but you, you, uh, and then in life, like uh, uh, all human beings uh, in the world. Uh, uh, it's not always what you really want to do. There are circumstances, there are family issues, there are health issues. So I think you got to be realistic as to when is a good time 
to uh, to uh, work on your ideas on when is a good time to balance uh, and integrate your personal life with your ideas, right? So it's an integration rather than uh, keeping the balance between the two. So um, uh, just just be uh, selective, just be realistic. Uh, you know, I am at the point in my career where I'm pursuing three, four startups right now, but I could not have done that 10 years ago because of some family issues and my wife was going through some situation, health situation. So I wouldn't abandon my wife's health over an entrepreneurship idea that I had 10 years ago. So to me, that was a priority in my life. Mm-hmm. So be selective, um, uh, especially for young entrepreneurs. They have so much time to pursue their dreams. And oh, by the way, things are much better and faster and easier. And, you know, I mean, the, the iPhones that we carry in our, in our pockets right now, uh, that computer, I call it a computer, it's much stronger than, uh, much powerful than the uh, computers on the space station. (laughs) So, uh, you can launch a business within a few months rather than a few years. So you can, uh, really, uh, put some ideas together within a few weeks, you know, with some agile methodology. So, you have time, but, uh, you know, you have to prioritize. You have to kind of integrate your personal life with your career and, uh, and uh, always uh, pursue for higher achievements in life. I think having that dream. So I- I'm telling you, you know, I never thought I would meet Buzz Aldrin after 45 years. I still think about space. And by the way, I told my wife, if one of my startups uh, work out well, the recent ones, and if I sell it for $100 million, I'm going to give her 80 million and I'm going to take 20 million uh, and become a tourist to International Space Station because that's how much it's going to cost me to get there. So, wow. <laughs> so I still dream. I still think I can go to the space station that I built and be a tourist, you know. And That's awesome. Uh, and I think I think Elle is still going to be pissed that you're hoarding all the money. <laughs> uh, she, she's going to get 80 million, trust me. Oh, right? I know. No. Well, I really appreciate your answer. I appreciate what you said, especially you said first survive and then thrive. And I think that yes. applies to profit first, Mike. You got to make sure your business just survives and you have to have good, the good business skills. And then once you have that down pat, then you can do other things, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. You, you, that's exactly what you have to do. You know, and that's why we started Profit First Professionals. And thanks for that handoff. It's like the baton yes! just was put in my hand. Love it. <laughs> you know, I can, Zark, just real quick. You have accountants, right, for your businesses? Of course, of course. Yeah, we, of course. That's always the answer. <laughs> Zark, I talk to countless entrepreneurs, and I say, do you have an accountant? Of course, of course. Do you have bookkeepers? Of course, of course. <laughs> Does your accountant bookkeeper help you with your profit? Well, not yeah, so much. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, not, I mean, do they meet with you once a month and say, here's specific things you can do to increase the profitability? No. What you talking about, Willis? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. Well, guess what, Zark? You can you can either whip your accounts into shape or you can go to profitfirstprofessionals.com right now. You go to that site, you click on the find button, you type in some details on what your business does. We have a group of elite, the world's most elite providers of accounting and bookkeeping services who have mastered Profit First's methodology. You, of course. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. By, by, by the way, just, just last second, uh, I am actually teaching Mike's books in my Pepperdine classes. <laughs> and, and most recently, I started using Profit First. Very popular, very nice. And I love my brother. And uh, I can't thank you guys enough. Wow. It, now, that's, that's how you step into a promo. 
You, you come in with I love my brother. Now I'm like ready to cry. <laughs> Zark, I love I truly love you too, man. And um oh, we gotta throw back some Armenian food. Yes. I gotta get my ass back out the your way and you know and leech off you. Alright, brother. Now get out of here so I can do my promo. <laughs> uh, we'll see you, Zark. So go you, if you're still listening, listener, go to ProfitFirstProfessionals.com. Click on the find button, fill it out. You have to have an accountant, you have to have a bookkeeper. They will drive profit in your business and get you far ahead. And then you'll, you yourself will never have to work at IHOP and get spit on. Oh. Yeah. That's that it. You, so thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks happens. again. <laughs> By the way, ProfitFirstProfessionals.com. That's the website. Thank you, Dr. Zarek. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Christina. And really, thank you for listening. You don't understand how much this listening to this show helps you so much in the future. It's like the compounding effect. Right, Mike? Oh, my gosh. I mean, look, look at the hardships that you have to go through. Zark nailed it. Hardships is part of entrepreneurship. But it doesn't mean you have to potentially put yourself in a position of hardship. Nope. There's shortcuts. There's better ways. And that's what we give you on this show. So thank you for listening. We'll see. be with you next time. Peace out. Peace out. Bye. Bye.